Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep and show business. Uh, coming to you live, live, taped, recorded from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. This is episode 114, entitled Loss. Best 30 minutes of sleep and show business. This show uh, is brought to you tonight by scriptpipeline.com. Get your script to the right people so they can get it to the right people. Get good coverage. They call it coverage in the business. Coverage means uh, it gets read. You get good notes back. You get feedback. They cover it. Um, I've done it for my stuff. I've done it for friends' stuff. Uh, if a friend, you know, if a friend sends, sends you something, a submission, or some kind of writing sample, an idea for a sketch, or a sketch, or a treatment, or um, I forgot a, a deck. Now it's a deck. The, the the decks come in business plans or scripts or series. You know, just more bullshit around it. Do you like the concept? Let's green light it. Do you need a full deck? Like Jesus, nobody in the town has a full deck. Nobody in the business does. So why are we dealing with decks anyway? Don't send deck pics to the wrong people. Uh, if a friend send you a script, you don't have time or interest, send it to scriptpipeline.com. I literally paid them to read one of my friend's things and then sent my friend the notes that they gave me. I paid for those notes. I was like, cool, I'll pass these along as my notes. Uh, and they were good. They were helpful. So that helped. And you paid a little money, but whatever. Uh, dishonest? Yeah. But more loving. They got better notes than I would have given them, you know? So... Uh, Oh, last Saturday. What happened? Oh, I was supposed to go up to Ventura Saturday afternoon, evening, and the event got canceled, and I loved it. I reveled in it. You know, that's beyond L.A. It's another 45 to an hour beyond L.A., um, which is just like three hours of driving each way on a weekend. I don't need, right? Last night, I went up to Indio and back, and it took me three to get there, two and a half, two fifteen to get back. So five, a little more than five hours of driving, on a weeknight, the day before I had to leave for a cruise ship, and it just wipes you out your time. It wipes out your time. Because um, that's a lot of time, you know, plus you're working during the days. And, and it just, and it drains you, and then you're sluggish at your day, day job. And, uh, you know, the day job's flexible, but I don't want to look like a, you know, sloppy, bringing the energy down. You know, I don't want, I don't want to phone it in. I don't want them... I don't want to, you know, them getting leftovers. I don't want anybody getting leftovers, right? Uh, Got to work from home more. Train is a great option for the Ventura route. You know, we talk in this country about having a better rail system, and it would be amazing. And it, it does exist in the eastern half of the country. You know, I, I don't know if you can do a Miami to, to New York like you could in the old days. You see those old movies, those old pictures. Um, but the West doesn't really have it we we don't really have the we used to right i mean there's a train station that goes to tucson in the movie tombstone that's real right that's not fictional and then tombstone is outside tucson but and and actually you can still go by train to tucson from la my friend henry and deb uh they did it recently you can also go la to phoenix uh but it's not as prevalent as it probably should be. But LA to Vegas, nothing. LA to San Francisco, speed train. No reason those two routes shouldn't exist. You know? You can do LA to San Francisco, I think, on a train. But not a, not like a bullet train. Uh, what are we waiting for? Who knows? 
I think trains aren't more prevalent for a couple of reasons. I'm a little sh- I'm a little shot tonight, and I'll get into that. Uh, automobile industry obviously wants you. There's going to be noises, I think, because I'm in Puerto Vallarta in a hotel right off a main highway here. It's a nice hotel, but I'm high up, but you can still hear um, gunshots. I mean, fireworks. Automobile industry probably doesn't want a thriving railway system. All that comes with that, rubber industry, right? Maker of tires, because the driving wears out tires. You're making more, you're selling more. Good business. Um, Tires aren't getting used and purchased if people are riding trains, so they don't want that. But I don't know... I don't know how, how significant that is. I'll say this, especially out west, and there's been documentaries made about train development... The American lifestyle of independence, especially in the West, it's very entrepreneurial. Being able to get um, caught, get up and go and do your own thing is, on a whim, is huge. In the West especially. Very American, frontier. So there's that. You know, We joke that the carpool lane is always empty and every other lane of traffic is packed because it's people driving on their own. Um, can trains you know trains i think only help if there's designated downtown areas where a lot of people go and a lot of people get off i don't know in la if that's so true um downtown what santa monica hollywood a couple spots in the valley we're just so used to driving everywhere out west and operating on our own schedule we'll see if that changes with population the city's definitely going vertical with some of these buildings going up and up west side all that stuff. Um, I'd like to see train develop more in the West. You know, you can go to Portland and Seattle, I think. Uber changed a lot of things. Uber transformed L.A. more than any other city because nobody was taking cabs before. In every other city, people were taking cabs to some extent. But in L.A., people are taking Uber all the time. Everybody has. Uber really transformed West Coast cities more, I believe, right? San Diego, L.A., SF, Portland, Seattle, Denver maybe. Cities on the East Coast, we're already taking cabs. They already have trains, you know, L's, streetcars, um, subways. So so Uber was just like a little frosting for them. But in L.A., it was cake. The cake. Uh, L.A. was never a place for cabs. Well, for my circle, right? Because I, I, we avoided cabs so much. I mean, you would do rides to the airport from friends, pay them, parking car closer to the airport on some residential street maybe it'll get towed you'd rather risk that than take a cab because they were so pricey they were annoying um yeah only a few times did i take a cab in when did uber kick in about what 2010 2012 um let's say it was 12 to be safe maybe 2011 i will say from 2000 to 2011 i took in 10 years five cab rides in la i'm not kidding park your car at the airport or near it friends buses to the airport uh whatever but we avoid cabs so much um take the metro to union station to and from union Union station you could catch flyaway bus um to the airport which was a dream was like eight bucks right from you once you're at union station to the airport they just shuttle you across the 10 and then get south on the 405 and you're there it was like eight bucks now there's like two or three flyaways union station at downtown um well union station in downtown to the airport union station um sorry 
You didn't stay. No, none of this matters. Are you asleep yet? No, you can get a freaking bus ride from the airport to Union Station, which is downtown, from the airport to Van Nuys, or which is in the valley, and I think airport to Westwood by UCLA. I think so. Uh, if you could maybe do a Hollywood one, a Culver City one, that would be nice too. I, I tell you, I can't believe how well I know LA. It is insane. I've spent, I was there 20 years. I spent so much time in so many parts. I lived in about five different places. Um, yeah, one, two, three, four, five and a half, right? From doing different gigs for 20 years to living in different places to driving Uber for the better part of a decade there to dropping off scripts for Gilmore Girls all over Southern Cal. But that was mainly north, north L.A., the valley, all the way down to north Orange County. Maybe a Laguna Beach drop here and there. But those scripts, because the actors, the actresses, you know, a lot of them are well off. And they can live or stay anywhere they want while they're in town filming an episode. So they'll stay in Laguna at the montage. So I'll have to run down from, you know, uh, Burbank down to Laguna Beach to drop off a script. So I, I know, oh, oh, and what else? How else do I know I like? Doing background work on different shows and movies, all times of the day. I'd leave a place at midnight, and they're like, they need you on this production at 5 a.m. So I just go straight there, sleep in the car. But you need the money, right? I've worked so hard, just not smart for so long, dude. Um, yeah, background work. You're in the background of a scene. Um, I'm not seen in many things. Beverly Hills Chihuahua Part 2. And I'm in the beginning of the movie Role Models with, um, that was a good movie, with, uh, is it Sean Austin Green? No, I always confuse those. Willard Scott something. Role Models and Paul uh, Rudd, very funny. And Elizabeth Banks, hilarious, of course. Nobody ever noticed that I was in that movie except for one person, Brody Stevens. Unbelievable. Patrick Keene, opening scene, Role Models. One in real life. Um, different field shoots for Jimmy Kimmel. We were all over the place. My, my friend Frat got me on that job. I was there for a better part of a decade. And we were everywhere with Kimmel. Different field shoots for the Orlando Jones show in the summer of 2003. A lot of South L.A. shoots, South Central L.A. shoots. Ta parts of neighborhoods I'd never seen. It was great. It was fantastic. And you go in and, you, you know, they got your back. You're part of the big production. Um, so it's fascinating to think you know a city. And then you go deep into different pockets, right? Boyle Heights, when I was driving Uber, I'm like, what? This is, what is this little neighborhood? What is this little nook? You know, Silver Lake, Washington Heights. Um, it's one thing to travel all over the world to famous spots where you're going to run into people you know and call it a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. If you're from Orange County and you see people in London, it's not a coincidence. Paris, the Caribbean, Cabo, it's not a coincidence. Because we all live in one place and we all travel to the same 10 places. Okay? If you run into someone in South LA or West Virginia or Calgary or Eastern Europe, that's really something. You know, A small town in you know, Hokkaido, Japan, not Tokyo, that's when it's a, that's when it's a small world. Okay, anyway, so having the plans canceled that Saturday night was a great, great thing. It frees you up, and time just becomes more and more important as you get older. And that person might feel like they owe you because they canceled on you, uh, selfishly. When I look 
Oh, yeah. When I look at an endeavor nowadays, that's the big thing. What's the time commitment? Because money, I've never made money doing anything, so I don't expect money to come from literally anything I do. So it's just about time. Because, you know, at this point, you know, what's a lot of money going to do? I think at this point, I'm not going to blow. If I were to make it big money-wise, I wouldn't... um, I wouldn't blow it because just I I just I don't know I'd probably sit on it I would have blown it in my twenties thirties forties but uh, I now it would just I don't know exist um like a time commitment okay so if I look at a language an instrument a hobby you know I want to learn tennis for example but I'm like what's the time commitment for that you know probably not bad you can do ninety minutes a week I'm more paranoid about. Isn't this weird? I'm more paranoid about a bored instructor who wants to blow his brains out trying to teach me how to not hit the ball too hard and knock it off the court every time. I did take one lesson about seven years ago. It was great, six, six, five, six years ago. Um, but I get paranoid about like a piano teacher, a music teacher, a, a tennis instructor, just dreading to see me. Um, God, I said once in a text or an email that I dreaded road trips with my then girlfriend, and she saw. I don't know how she saw. I felt terrible. I didn't mean it either. I dreaded that I wasn't able to use that time to write or perform, but it had nothing to do with her. Anyway, um, triggers. Triggers since I'm down in uh, I'm down in Puerto Vallarta, which is where I was pretty quick after a breakup. Uh, time, man. It's all about time management and sticking to that schedule. Discipline. That's that's the more. That's more more and more what I'm finding out. Um, high school football was so good for me. Something I got away from in L.A. You know, discipline. Right. You take the easy route. Easy to do. Some of the great comics I know who have really excelled are those who have been disciplined in their writing and performing and limiting their social time. And drinking. Did I put that? Uh, the same values in every single walk of life. You wouldn't think in stand-up comedy or show business. No, it's one big party. No. The the people that make it big and the greats, uh, the same rules of discipline into their work life have been applied as any other walk of life. Uh, no coincidences. Um, I enjoy a, a lot of motivational speakers on a few different levels because th- there's some great takeaways uh one they're usually hilarious motivational speaker like it's some cheesy shit and it's hilarious um and some know it's and some don't you know they're not necessarily trying to be funny but they are but two is they have great points whether you like them or not um they have great points and you know sometimes they're hyper christian or non-drinkers or whatever but they still have good points about success so you try to take those parts i don't want all of it uh, if I played or coached in the NFL, whether I believed in God or not, I'd be holding hands with those guys uh, after the game, you know, like you see sometimes on the field, because the mission is the same, right? Even with the opponent, let's let's have good lives, Roman gladiator stuff, you know, it's great, we compete, we bust the hell out of each other, um, hopefully our bodies aren't too banged up, we do it for entertainment, for them, for us, it's very meaningful. It's a paycheck, too. So you got the paycheck, you got the competition, and then the entertainment. And we didn't get injured. We're holding hands. Hey, live to fight another day. In retirement, we can really enjoy ourselves. Um, but, I, you know, I would. Even, even though I don't, you know, maybe subscribe to the same beliefs that a lot of those guys. Let's get on the same page, you know. Uh, 
I talk about all the time spent playing sports growing up and what a waste of time some of it was and how it should have been instruments, language, travel. And some of it should have been. Some of it should have been. But then I come back to it's not a waste of time. You know, you, you, you got to play sports, you, you were athletic, made you social, made you part of a team. You come across people who are never on a team, it is so glaring. You're almost embarrassed for it. You're like, what? Have you never been a part of a group? You know, you meet an only child that never played on a team sport. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. This is like talking to someone remedial. Like, just no idea how to work together. Um, no common sense, no likability. You know, and those skills that you, you know, you had at 11, some people never have. Um, anyway. Okay, so I did a show in Costa Mesa last week. God, that's been a week. La Cave, 9 p.m. start. Went on late, started late. My friends wouldn't see me until 10.15 on a weeknight, so I was glad nobody came. But it was wonderful. It was a reunion. Uh, a lot of comics that I started with, we did it. It was great. And uh, we could talk about anything, not like the cruise ship I'm about to get on that gives me so much anxiety. Um, but uh, the show was so good and liberating, and you can feel the room laugh back at you so it just carries you through your set you're like this is what it's all about um we had the conference championships last weekend this is so boring did i really think i could get away okay we got a lot to get through here so conference championships way more fun right two football games afc nfc title game than the super bowl now we have to wait two weeks it's kind of depressing less bells and whistles because there's a home team you have a home field advantage when you're playing for the conference championship you don't have that in the super bowl the Super Bowl is played at a neutral site. Um, you know, whatever. But I've heard people that have gone to the Super Bowl and it's just like, yeah, it's kind of a celebrity thing and um, it's not as exciting. The Redskins crowd at RFK Stadium in 1982, the fall, beginning of 83, fall of 82. The crowd rocking out after 17 years of watching the Cowboys dominate. You know, get to Super Bowls, get to championships. Um, and and the, the RFK Redskin crowd is just chanting, we want Dallas, we want Dallas, we want Dallas. The whole stadium is shaking, and it doesn't look like the fans care. They're like, even if this comes down. And, 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 Dal- and I think they were saying it the week before when they were playing the Vikings, and they beat them. Because that year they had to win because there was a strike, so the teams had to win like four playoff games instead of three. Or maybe each team was a wild card or something. Um but I think they were also chanting, we want Dallas, as the Cowboys in their blues were taking the field. And it's it's just such a great shot. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, a blowout, I don't think, by any stretch. But it was just like a comeuppance. It was one of those, you knew it was coming. And I think Dallas knew it was coming. I'm like, all right, let's go face the fiddler here, pay the fiddler. We're going to get our asses beat. But uh, but whatever. Had they won, they would have gone and played the uh, the Dolphins. But just that kind of home field, I, I really remember that. I just was like, oh, my God. I, I, hopefully every team can have that. Like the Bengals can have that against the Steelers or the Browns can have it against the Steelers and the Lions can have it against the the Packers, the Bears, and, you know, all these teams. The Bills can have it against whomever, the Patriots. Um, yeah, NFL podcast, guys. Redskin was a racially motivated derogatory term. mm it was a sure okay the red the front 
not the mascot, but the redskin. To call someone a redskin, that's racially motivated derogatory. But as a mascot, I believe it was a term of reverence. It was a badass-looking Native American fighter, tough, and I believe a tribute to the warrior. You know, it wasn't like it was a conquered man. It was a tough-looking badass face on the side of that helmet. Um, easy for a white guy to say, right? Um, who was it that protested? I bet a big percentage of the people that protested that were uh, were not natives. And natives didn't give a shit. And I think Seminoles in Florida State, I think they pay that tribe money to be able to use that. Um, so the redskin wasn't a conquered concept of ha ha you know, it, it was a very tough image, and uh, it was a cool mascot to have. When a mascot goes away and the uniforms change, you, you really handcuff the organization. You know, the Oilers, you, you made them the Texans. You they had beautiful uniforms. They had a beautiful mascot. It was indigenous Oilers, right? The guys working um, the oil refineries, the oil wells. I mean, they were neck deep. Uh, the Raiders moving to Vegas, you know, um, I think Oakland was just too small to maintain that market. Um, so I watched Brooklyn Nets versus the New York Knicks the other night. I think the Knicks won. I couldn't care less about the game. But I do love the Knicks. I love that they play Madison Square Garden. I love that it's Manhattan. You know, but I just I can't do NBA. I just think it's so many babies. Uh, I do hope it's the Celtics uh, Warriors in the final. I think there's a little momentum there and a rivalry, and it can be a sexy matchup. Uh, I just don't care enough. Brooklyn just a little too hip for me, and they're – their players seem a little too over it. Um, I think reason NBA has so many babies. It's a limited pool you're drawing from, so they get to be snots. You know, everyone's over six five, six six, six seven. There's a little bit of a coronation to it. You know, you don't draft someone in the NFL or the MLB just on their size, and it's like, oh, we can just make him. But you do in the NBA, and you do in college basketball. You're like, we'll take that person on size alone, and we'll make him. Uh, a player hockey baseball football you gotta be ready to go soccer you gotta be ready to go uh your height in basketball can get you a scholarship and even into the pros no other sport has that no other sport goes oh you're 300 pounds and you bench a lot you haven't played any football but we'll, we'll make it out of you um so yeah i root for the knicks over brooklyn uh yeah feels like the nets just tried too hard to be hip uh and a lot of the social people thinking hips the non-hip oh yeah the when 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 it's hip social issues versus non-hip social issues you know not everything from previous generation is wrong uh says the old white guy okay maybe a lot of our fashion from the 80s and 90s mostly okay um so i was halfway through this podcast am i already done with it should i just make the other part another one 22 no i want to get through this um i was halfway through writing this podcast episode early monday morning and my friend kelly sends me a text that our friend's son was killed in an automobile accident rex um and then i get a few more texts from some other kids with the same news and it was just devastating you know rex was 19 years old and it's just the worst uh car accident late on a sunday night raining crashed into a tree uh three boys two of which perished the boy in the back seat survived thankfully um so it's been a tough tough week of just numbness and brutal i don't know what uh some things to be thankful for that thankfully there wasn't another car involved 
uh, that was innocent that was just driving down and got clipped by some kids that may or may not have been driving too fast. So thankfully, not another car involved. Thankfully, there was no alcohol involved. Uh, and thankfully, Rex's brother, Jack, wasn't in the car with them because uh, it was Jack's friend who was with Rex. Um, Jack, the brother, had worked all day and most likely would have been uh, in the front seat. Uh, had both boys been lost, uh, then the whole family would have been lost, right? It would have been the worst thing in the world, a mother losing both sons. Um, so big picture, there are some things to be thankful for, even though we lost young Rex. Uh, been going over there all week, talking, sharing, eating, drinking. There is so much food and friends over there at all times, just layers of people, different rooms, uh, some people outside. Um, and the mood, you know, sometimes it's quiet, but most it's kind of festive and talking. It's it's not, um, you know, the, the, the private family is in like a little room and they'll come out, talk to everybody and then go back and do their thing. Different layers, right? It's really, really cool. Really community. I mean, really tribal, you know. My friends Kelly and Andrea, Kristen are all there all week long, nonstop, talking, coordinating, holding our friend Simone, crying, so much crying, howling. You know, it's just the worst. Um, I'm over there uh, a few hours each time, you know, and um, I get a little time with John and Simone, but mostly with Kelly and Andrea and our friend Nicole. Chris is a flight attendant, so she has to work and be in and out of town through all this. But Kelly and Andrea, you know, they kind of need the second tier support. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Um, Kelly and Andrea kind of need that second tier support because they're supporting, supporting, supporting. It's very exhausting. They need to be kind of on call. So you want to support them. That's who I've been spending more time with than Simone even. And one night Kelly just texted me. She's like, just check check with Chris because, I, you know, she just had nothing left. Um, she didn't want to text or get on the phone. So she's like, call Chris, call Chris. Uh, she lost her little brother Kevin a few years ago. So it's um, it's a given that there's triggers there for sure. Uh, another good friend of everybody's. But, uh, you know, a young person in your community dying is is very jarring. It's very significant. Time freezes uh, out there by St. Margaret's is where it happened. You know, elderly people, you may we all live to be elderly, by the way. It's all part of the process when you pass, and you have a chance to live a complete life, you know, a long, complete life. People can have complete lives at young ages, but ideally you want to be around for a while. Uh, support for Simone and John. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I've still got a cough from like New Year's. Support for Simone and John has been tremendous. Uh, I'm certain he's happy uh, that this is happening in South Orange County, in San Juan, and not Philly. And I say that because I'm just blown away by the surrounding support they have here. Simone's mother, of course, is just amazing. Sorry, I'm hiccuping now. Um, their friends from the kids' schools are amazing. Simone, Kelly, Andrea from Fatima. They grew up, they went to school together, Fatima, Mission, uh, their time at Santa Margarita Catholic High School, all the way to Robert Palmer, Simply Irresistible Lip Sync, spring of 1991. Uh, Simone's very communicative throughout all this. It's been amazing. Have I said amazing enough? Uh, just, But she's letting it out at all times. That She's just, uh, what is it, cathartic, and just purging the emotions, not holding back. It's great. Not burying anything, talking, leaving the room when she needs to, crying, taking a break, going outside, 
you know, she visited the spot where Rex perished, you know, the tree that they ran into um, that late raining dark night, saying things like to everybody, this will not be a house of sadness. Uh, there will not be a blanket of gloom hanging over us. Uh, you know, Rex's life will be celebrated. It will be cherished. You know, very healthy outlook, right? You think if more people did that throughout history, we'd have less guilt and hang-ups about things. You know, we allow these things to take us over generationally, and they just accrue and accrue, and we get bogged down, and we don't even know why we feel so weighted down. You can move on and still, you know, have reverence for the past and, and acknowledge the past. You don't need to be weighted down by guilt and blame and, and doom. Uh, but Simone and John have an unreal circle of friends. Layla as well. Norma, the housekeeper. Uh, Norma raised Rex. She's obviously devastated and just don't know how to handle that. But you got to be there and you got to talk and you got to make an effort. Selfishly, I want Simone to be the fun friend that she's always been when you meet for meals, drinks, social uh, outings and such. Uh, so you want you want her to be fine for that. You want her fine for her own personal health, of course, um, but selfishly for the things I mentioned. Uh, also selfishly, her kids are so smart and they get your jokes. Nobody gets my stuff. And Rex was someone who got it. And he's only 19, okay? I can't afford to lose people who get my shit. <coughs> so I'm fucked, all right? Um so I didn't want to, I wanted to entitle this episode like Simone or something, but I didn't want to overshare and like, because this some of this stuff, if people are listening now, they're inside, I'll talk about it, but I don't want to be advertising this, but it's just something that's been on so many people's minds all week, you know, I think because she shares of herself so much that people feel this loss uh, for her. If it was a family that kept, you know, maybe the guard up, then you're like, well, we'll do what we can, we're here, but you know, we're not going to bother you but with simone you just feel for her man uh you feel that heartbeat for you feel that loss that heartbreak uh i was supposed to host a kind of storytelling session i guess that they're gonna have in a week uh people telling stories uh of the devonay family of rex i have a cruise ship gig that i can't get out of which is so upsetting uh these gigs are a lot of money and it doesn't look good when you cancel especially this close and I used up about five weeks of canceled work a couple years ago. Uh, and I've made so many other mistakes in this career that I have to take care of business now. Um, good news is I will be at their beck and call while I'm in town, which uh, will be, you know, in a few weeks for a long time. I will be there for the long haul. And it's going to be a long effing haul. Effing? Now I'm not saying the F word. Um, a good part I find throughout this, you don't hear anyone saying... It all happened for a reason. You don't hear people saying he's in a better place. I'm not a fan of those phrases. I think that's lazy talk. I understand that there's go-to phrases that people want to use. There's uncomfortableness, awkwardness. You resort to comfortable and familiar phrases um, in a certain situation. You're right in the middle of the room. It's quiet. Nobody knows what to say. Someone's opening their heart to you. Look to you. They're holding you. They're hugging you. They're not letting go, and you want to say something, so you go to those phrases. I don't like those phrases. Um, Simone and John also have to see different people for the first time who, who come into the house bawling, and maybe John and Simone aren't in the mood. Like, they've been through it now. They don't have to revisit that initial 
punch to the gut every time. But people come in bawling. They walk in the house, and John and Simone then have to ball with them a little bit. Very visceral. Uh, when I saw her for the first time, she may have been cried out. I think it was uh, early afternoon, one of the days. But I also think that since I'm a guy, uh, it was a little tame. She was a little tame and just maybe looking for relief from that and maybe even some laughter. I don't know. Um, plus, Simone and I, our link isn't Rex. You know, it's it's friendship from high school. So it's a different origin story, right? Um I'm not a parent, so maybe she can see that. We don't see that in each other's eyes. You know, um, some parents came over who her kids grew up with. You know, Rex grew up with some of the kids whose parents came over, and they meet eyes with Simone and John, and it's waterworks, right? It's over. No way, you know? Just done. Gushing, bawling. Because that's their connection is the boys or the kids from birth to you know, this week. Very brutal, man. Very brutal. Uh, and there's no finish line. There's no deadline on getting over this. I tried to tell Jack that a little bit as if I have an effing clue. But I was just trying to talk to him and he kept hugging, you know, we kept hugging each other and stuff. And uh, anything you need, man, anything, <clears throat> none of this needs to be solved tonight, next week, next month. Uh, always here, whatever field you get into you know will always help you you know because all my connections that made my millions i want to spread that on to younger smarter kids um so anyway um r.i.p young brother to rex devon thank you for your time uh on this mortal coil and your family will honor you proper we all know that for sure uh yeah just a tough deal all around we're at 33 we're gonna go another three minutes it looks like i really felt lousy getting on the plane to go out of town this weekend you want to be there for people right i'm not in cruise ship comedy groove nobody should ever be in that groove cruise ships are just weird uh you know people come to par i'm not a party comic like woo. you know i'm kind of a thinking man's thinking woman's comic I guess if you want to come. And so it's, I don't know, man. I just don't know where the fit is. Um, the comics who do well on these cruise ships, they're detached from their act and they just go out. They nail it, but it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Here's my 40. And I don't know, maybe I'm just too sensitive. I, I don't know. Or just too inexperienced with the cruise ships. Maybe it's a whole nother 10 years of this. Uh, but I didn't walk the streets tonight in Port of Ireland. I just, normally I check out the town. I've been here a few times, so it's all good. But, you know, um, I was watching my 12-year-old nephew's hockey game in Montana on my phone. He lives in Jackson, but they're up in Montana for a tournament. Uh, last time I was here, I was going through a breakup. We broke up, um, which was about, God, three years ago. And then we we broke up at the three-year mark. But I remember when we broke up, I was like, that's all smooth sailing from here. And I don't know. Maybe if COVID didn't hit, it would have been smooth. But it lingers. Got to let it linger. Uh, I think the next piece of good news is always just around the corner. And that's what it is. You're just kind of in a slump and, and, and it, you have to want to get out of it. And something has to happen to it. You need internal and external uh, drive, right? Um, variables. And, you know, you're always just one good idea away from changing everything. And I feel like I've been a lot of good ideas uh, away from changing absolutely nothing. Um, sad news this week has put things in perspective, but it also triggers a lot of old things. 
So it's a little bit of mix. It's it's beautiful though, man. It's beautiful. You know, between grief and nothing, well, I'll take grief. I hope. Uh, I'm getting on a cruise ship tomorrow, in the hotel tonight, and whatever, make it work, right? Cruise ship. Quit complaining. You get there about a third of the people like you, but your pride is just shot. You know, it's mediocre shows that last a week because you're stuck with the same people. Nowhere to run and hide. And I'm on three cruises this one this month. Uh, this one's in Mexico. Not too bad. Caribbean is too many English, too many Europeans, and too many non-English speakers. Uh, so they're a little ru- it's a little rougher. But there's also the party vibe, and they're younger. So that part's good. So I just have to find, you know, I think for the 45 minutes set, I just have to find maybe 10 or 20 more minutes of, of stuff that's just for them. I don't know. Um, but whatever. I couldn't walk around tonight. I was too tired. I felt like writing, so I did it. It's a simple two-and-a-half-hour flight from Orange County, but just getting the transport straight at straight from the airport, you know, you're waiting, they're dropping off other people, the shuttle is, and then finally, and then checking in, it's an hour ahead. So all of a sudden, here I am, it's 9 o'clock at night. Wanted to collect my thoughts, prep for the weekend shows of talking to the, you know, people from the Roaring Twenties. Um, I also heard a nice little video today, Rest is a Weapon. All right. Don't fill your life with clutter and thinking that by by being busy all the time that you're getting ahead, that you're getting stuff done. All right. Rest is a weapon. Don't convince yourself that you're getting ahead by just filling your schedule. Plenty of us do that. I'm sure I have these, you know, martyrs that are like, oh, I can't. Put, I could never work out. I'm too busy with this. Well, you inserted that. Um, oh, I'm too rushed to cook something real. Uh so that that rest is a weapon that really stuck with me that resonated anyway this is already way too long but it doesn't matter because you are nice tucked away sleeping it's a long episode um scattered episode like every other episode but please keep listening keen on things podcast keen of comedy on all social media platforms we will see you next time